Good morning. Welcome back to the District Church Podcast. Uh, this is Matt Cantrell, and um, we have a special, special guest this time, and his name is Brady Roberts. Hey, And this week, uh, this episode of the District Church Podcast is brought to you by brothers in law. They're like regular biological brothers, but much better. I don't know how Travis would feel about that. That's exactly why we said it. Travis, this week is in Manhattan, Kansas. Um, And it's very funny because if you listen to the last podcast where we had Aaron Pugh, 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 on, he, uh, Travis, like, went in for a couple minutes about how uh, Manhattan is like, that's like the gates of hell or something like that. So it's funny. He's up there. He's got a buddy who's teaching something at Manhattan Christian, and then he's playing golf. Some workouting. I don't know. We grew up in Junction City, Kansas, those of you who know Travis and I. And Manhattan High School were our rivals. And then we went to Ozark Christian College, where, again, the the rival of the Ozark Christian College ambassadors is the Manhattan Christian College. Something or something or other. The Thunder. And we're also big Kansas Jayhawk fans. And there's an in-state rival with K-State in Manhattan, so... We just don't like Manhattan. But he's up there. He's hanging out. We have the, I believe, what your mom has referred to as the more handsome brother, the taller brother. Yeah, she has said that. The one that's not talking to us about running marathons all the time, brother. Yep. Well, we're happy to have you. I know you're also an avid listener to the podcast, so you know every episode. Love it, man. I love this podcast. (laughs) Well, we're happy to have you on. Um, This week, uh, we have a question that that we wanted to address as we're talking about this Explore God series. Um, This will come out on Monday the 25th, which means we're two weeks in on the Explore God series. I believe our question that we just answered yesterday was, is there a God? Which is a pretty big one. And the one before, um, on the 17th, we asked the question... Do we have a purpose, or is there a purpose? Um, so if you haven't gotten a chance to to listen to those sermons, I'd say go check them out. Um, if you want to engage more deeply on those topics, uh, this is a, a, a cool time for us to be bringing people in that, that don't know uh, or, or disagree with our, our answers to these questions, or people that uh, maybe have been coming to church for a while. This might include you, uh, and you haven't just sat and asked these questions, but I think they're very important. So Mm -hmm. what we want to talk about today falls under what can be called an apologetic question, which is not uh, like the the Midwestern, you bumped into somebody and you go, oh, sorry. Uh, That sounded more Canadian, didn't it? Yeah. Eh? Not Midwestern. Sorry, eh? Um, But apologetic means the defense, like the defense of the faith. So um, it's these these heady questions. Uh, I wanted to ask you, I've got got two that come to the top of my brain of silly questions. that, that fall under the like the defense of the faith or people trying to say that Christianity is silly or something like that. One, I don't know if you've ever heard this. There's a question. I think it went around um, in like the, the 80s, which is, can God build, make a rock that's so big that he can't even lift he it? He can't even lift it. Which is people spent time answering that question, which I find to be... Had probably had people stumped for years and years. Yeah. Another one, this was happening in the... Uh, the continental United States during uh, uh, at the same time that debates were going on about slavery 
within Christian churches, and the question was, how many angels can fit on the pin of a needle? <laughs> I've never heard that question know, before in my life. Isn't no, that ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, maybe those aren't apologetic, but that's like, oh, just, just silly, and now you have a fun fact. Um, <clears throat> Brady, do you yeah. have any questions? That oh, I've got a question. That you're interested in? I've got a question for you, and this is actually one that popped up in our group chat in our hub. Um, one young lady text, actually, she just texted the group this question, which I thought was really cool because she just, the question came across her mind and she came to her hub and she sent us this question. You know, she came to her community of believers that she wanted to bring this discussion up with. Um, but listen to this. This is a big one. I, th- I feel like this is one probably that we've all wondered at some point or, or another. But she asked the question if we were created to know and love God, then why did God give us free will? And then she followed up with the second question, why give us the choice and then punish those who don't follow him? Whoa. So thanks for listening today. (laughs) That's all we got, guys. (laughs) Good luck with that one. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I think before we get into it, uh, I once heard somebody say that, that for every question of great depth and questioning who is god does god exist what do we do with with him all all of those things like even like how like questions about the bible which we'll get to in a couple weeks um how can we trust the bible um there's two basic ways that we can ask uh, there's two reasons for which we ask the question the first is that we have an intellectual difficulty of like i do not understand the trinity how can that be teach me about it there's like the Bereans in Acts chapter 7, 16 or 17, where it says that Paul came to them and he brought the gospel and he told them about Jesus and then they reasoned in their scriptures trying to find the answer. There's an intellectual way. Um, and and then the other way of going about asking a question, uh, and from my experience, uh, this is where most of us fall in asking questions like this, not to say this is what what the question was being asked from um, in this case or not not making that judgment but we ask the question from an emotional standpoint which there's nothing wrong with asking a question from an emotional standpoint but this is a a question that I think can fall into that one as much um, as as any other question like if you give me an answer that doesn't make sense to me and, and hurts what I think is true, then it's easier for me to walk away. Or I ask the question sometimes not wanting an answer, but more um, as like I'm, I'm making an accusation, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think when we ask these questions, I think in part we need to, especially if we're asking these questions or, so, or somebody who is not a Christian is asking these questions to us, um, I had a teacher once say, instead of just banging our heads on the wall, sometimes we just need to slow down and go, hey, if I have an actual answer for you, is it going to change anything? Hmm. Yeah. Um, go ahead. I, well, I was just going to say, there's a in the Psalms, the, the author of this psalm, and I can't even remember which one it was, but it says, the fool rejects God in his heart. Mm-hmm. So it kind of confirms what you're saying there. Like, um, we might come up to a question that we have, but at the end of the day, it's not because of some intellectual question. It's like we've got a problem that's kind of more deep and, and, and from an emotional place, something that we disagree with yeah. on some level. Yeah. But, sure. but I, I want to say, though, that when it comes to questions, I just, uh, I just read a book called 
Holy Grit, and it was written by a, a professor from the Bible college that I went to. But it was kind of about, no, Ozark Christian College. Good grief, man. (laughs) Um, But it was written about how to have faith that persists and endures through hard things in life. And which is what the book of Hebrews is all about. It goes through the book of Hebrews. But I think asking, being willing to ask hard questions is a big part of forming a faith that can get through hard things. Right? I mean, I, I... this this sister of mine who asked this question, I am thankful for the question. I think it's kind of refreshing to ask hard questions. I know yep. there are there are people who listen to this right now who are like, oh, I don't want you to answer that question because I'm afraid of the answer, and <laughs> I don't like I'm 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 afraid of the mystery of God, and so this is one of those things that I don't even want to talk about because I I'm afraid of asking questions. You know, I don't know if you've ever been there, Matt, but yep. I think it's a very healthy thing for us to like ask the questions that we've got in our hearts and in our minds that we don't have the answers for. Yeah. Yeah. And that being said, we, yeah, we'll kind of say no more and we can get into our thoughts on it, but there, there is also an aspect of it that we probably won't answer this question perfectly or maybe even close to perfectly, but it is cool. Just even maybe this is an example of how, how do we begin answering these questions and dialoguing about them? If I could add this before, like, cause that's a great point. I something that Francis Chan said a long he said it actually I think in the book Crazy Love or that's where I read it but Francis Chan said that if God his character his presence his like his identity of who he is is like all the oceans on the face of the earth and our brains were like the size of pop cans mm-hmm. then we could fit that much of God into our pop pop can sized brains the rest is unknown to us, and we the rest we can try for the rest of our lives to try to fathom who God is. But I really like that analogy because it reminds me about the holy character of God, that he is set apart, he is different, he is other than anything I've ever experienced. So it's like, it's like you said, like we can try and scratch the surface, we can kick around our own opinions, our feelings, or what scripture says about it. But at the end of the day, I feel like it's okay to land in this place of he's holy and we might not be able to understand why he does what he does kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. And if he's infinite, we should expect that. Otherwise, he's like us and we've made God in our right. image. Yeah. Yeah. Which we don't want to do. No. Okay. If we were created to know and love God, why did God give us free will and secondarily why give us the choice and then punish those who don't follow him? Do you have a place you want to start? Uh, why don't you start, Matt? <laughs> you dialed it I up mean, like, you had a, like you had an answer. This is a big one. I mean, why give us free will? Um, I mean, I feel like we have to probably start there because that's, I mean, that's big question number one. Why free will? Why did God give us free will? Okay, so um, <clears throat> I almost said tell me if I'm getting too far away in this but but if you're listening to this you don't have a a voice right now sorry um before we fall too deep into like free will versus predestination um because that is a whole other and predestination meaning the top the idea from scripture that god orchestrates everything and gave us a purpose and a and a and a and really like a uh our final destination, and we don't have any say about it. And yeah, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. 
Sure. Yep. I just wanted to make that clear in case they were saying no, it was like, what's predestination? It's good. Um, a, a helpful distinction I've heard before is the difference between free will and free agency. Free will would mean that we can do whatever we want, whenever we want, how we want to do it. Okay, so, but, but however, free agency, on the other hand, says that I can do whatever I want within the confines of my own nature. So if I said, if I were a fish and I said I wanted to, to live on land and fly, I don't have the free will to be able to do that because I'm a fish. Mm-hmm. Can't fly. Free agency on the other side would say, like, I'm, I'm a fish and I want to swim over to the other side of the lake. Well, I have the capacity to do that. So when we talk about um, anything when it comes to following Jesus... And we talk about salvation, and we talk about like our nature. We need to recognize that that we were born with a a sin nature. That's that is what is within us. That's when Jesus says, um, "It's not what goes into a man that corrupts him. It's 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 what is the overflow of the heart is what comes out of the mouth." There's something within us. Excuse me. There's something within us that leads us to sin. Yeah. It's not that. We get dipped in sin, and now we're forever tainted. No, there's something in us. And so this is the flesh conversation versus the spirit conversation that Paul has in Romans and has in Galatians. And when we are living according to the flesh, meaning that Jesus has not interceded and and given us a new heart and given us new life, we can only act according to the flesh. Now we reflect God because we're made in his image, and we have we have a wild amount of value. Life is 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 precious, and we reflect God. Um, we have people who don't believe in God, we have people who hate the idea of God that still do wonderful things in life. Um, but we cannot act in faith, trusting in God, really knowing Him, when we're walking according to the flesh. When we have been um, given new life, when we've been uh, been baptized, Spirit has come into our our, our hearts. Now we have like a dual capacity we can live according to the flesh still we can run back what that should do to us is go this is not what i'm supposed to be living like this is not satisfying or we can live according to the spirit where we're trusting in god progressively growing to know him yeah so that was a wildly complicated and long caveat i I appreciate that though to talk about the difference between free will and free agency i think at the end of the day both help us realize that we prefer what we want. Like our, our flesh, our nature, like you say, is prone to wander, like the old hymn says, and come thou fount. Like well, I'm prone to wander. I, pr- I, uh, I can feel it in my flesh. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm prone to leave the God that I love. I love God. I want to do what he wants me to do. Yep. At the same time, I want to do what I want. I want to do what's, right. what, what's comfortable, what makes me happy instant gratification, all that stuff. And it it really is an interesting question. Why did he make us that way? And to really try to answer that question, I think it comes back to, well, <laughs> to try to get into the mind of God and try to understand why he let us, why he allowed us to prefer other than him hmm. is an interesting mm-hmm. <laughs> is an interesting question that I don't know if I'll be able to completely wrap my mind around. But why didn't I, he just make us love him? Right. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's kind of it. 
Like, I think that's kind of what the question is asking, you know? If we were created, if he created us to know and love God, why didn't he just make us already intrinsically love him already? Mm-hmm. You know, like, um, and I, that's a hard one to answer, but I think, I think it really kind of teaches us something about love. Like, is it really love if you're like pre-wired? And, and you know, this I'm not using some verse from scripture here, so this is just Brady talking. This is not like Paul or or you know something that i've read in scripture but it does it does lead me to ask the question if he if he designed us both to be like robots like wired to do everything that he wants us to do mm-hmm. void of emotion the void of of, of genuine love like you know right. it, does that really get get us to the result that god created us for which is to deny our flesh to deny the nature that we even have within us and say, I'm going to forsake everything, even the things that I have a craving for or my appetite for sin, and I'm going to pursue the Lord. Yeah, I, I think of, so not to get too sci-fi with you because I'm way out of my element, but um, I heard somebody recently talk about like where AI is going. Um will will move from even like what is wildly exploitative already which is like the, the pornography industry and will move into uh <clears throat> excuse me AI and virtual reality and you will basically that will mesh together and you, we will be able to have the opportunity to just make someone according to all of our preferences it's like things that I'm physically attracted to, things that I like emotionally desire and long for, like sense of humor that, that tracks with mine, like all of those things. The, the thing that feels so off, I think if we put ourselves in our shoe in the shoes of like looking forward and thinking about that is like, that's not a person and they don't have the option to choose to love us. And, and I heard somebody talking about this, this reality that, um, he says is like this is coming and this is going to be here soon is um we will basically create our own best friends and our own um girlfriend or boyfriend our our own like this is the person that i love and and it's not a real person and they have no they have no i mean you're looking at me like this is weird like because it's weird like it's not something that has the volition or the capacity to interact with us on a real level. And if we're made in the image of God, God is a free-thinking creature as well. So if the very thing that we are blessed with is that we're made in God's will, Uh we reflect who he is. We have, like, the fingerprint of God on us, and he is a free-thinking being. So for him to make us in his image and give us all of the gifts that he's given us, I don't know if that would make sense that we wouldn't have that as well. That we would also be free-thinking beings in yeah. his image also. It's so creepy to th- consider what you're talking about. I don't know anything about AI or whatever, but doesn't that kind of fit our culture, though? Like, we have come to, like, just this, such a place in social media where we can go online and have friendships with people from a distance and like judge people and like pr- compare ourselves to people and now what you're talking about almost sounds like let's fast forward into the future and say uh i don't like all these friendships that i have online i don't like what i see out there i'm going to conf- i'm going to like build a reality right. and friendships that 
are the way I prefer them to. I mean, that's what it sounds like. I don't, yeah. I don't know anything about that, but that's creepy. It doesn't sound, that doesn't, like, that's, that's not relationship. That's like, you're, well, it's like Romans 1, like you're creating something in your own image yeah. that makes you feel good about yourself, I guess, you know, like, yeah, it doesn't sound good at all. It doesn't sound like something I want to experience, yeah. but I guess lonely people out there, you know, and maybe we all get lonely sometimes, but maybe that's, that's what we prefer in the end. I don't know. Yeah. But it, yeah, it's an interesting, it's an interesting comparison for sure, at least in my brain. Um, but I think there's something significant there also of like the question, if we were created to know and love God, like that is, that's historical Christianity. That's the, the Westminster Catechism, like the yeah. confession of, of um, a church. Like what is the chief end of man? It's to know God and to glorify him forever and like to be mm-hmm. in his presence. Mm-hmm. So we are created for that, but we also do have this, this capacity to kind of like run in the other direction. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he, why did he give us free will so that we would, <clears throat> again, there's a lot of layers to this, but I think a really simple one is, is that we would like long to know him yeah. as well. We've been reading through Hosea in my hub. And if you don't know the book of Hosea, I'm not going to try and explain it right now because you're going to go, what are you talking about? But in the midst of Hosea, there's this verse that I think really it, it centers all of the book of Hosea. I think it's a great, um, I think it's a, a great word for all of the Old Testament, maybe all of the Bible. Jesus quotes this twice at the Pharisees. He says, as they're like interacting with him about um, how he's not following the Sabbath accordingly and doing the right things, he says, "Go up, go and look this up, and figure out what it means." And he quotes Hosea six six. For I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice, the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. Mm-hmm. So instead of instead of following the religious things, which is like that would be if we were robots to some capacity. If we were if we were made without free will, it would be like us kind of like tipping our eyes back and walking forward robotically and just doing what what God has called us to do without any heart behind it. That, go ahead. Without a, without a heart in there. And this is what the Israelites have done, is they've, they've, they've adopted a love for other gods. They've adopted a love for, for their own tastes, and yet they continue to do the same thing. They, like, mm-hmm. they do the pure, purifying rituals or whatever. They're, they're sacrificing animals. They're, they're, they're living somewhat according to the law of the... Or the, yeah, the the law of the law is the, not a sentence. Um, and what God says is like, this is, you've missed it. This is not what I want. I want steadfast, enduring love. And then the second part, which I think is huge in the Hebrew, here's your Hebrew for the day. It's the word yada, I believe. Like yada, yada, yada. Oh, yeah, like Yoda. Like Yoda. A little bit like Yoda. <laughs> Such a nerd. Um,. And it's this knowledge of it. It's like Adam and Eve. Adam knew his wife. It's like not just, I mm. see you, yeah, and I do what you want me to do. It's a deep love. That's what God longs for. I, 
Can you read the first part of that verse again? I desire steadfast For love. I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice. And not sacrifice. It's, it's so interesting. Like if you were to read the whole Old Testament, the whole story is about the nation of Israel and how God wanted a relationship with them. But how over time, and he gave them animal sacrifice to atone for their sin. But then everything got so mechanical, right? Like it's funny that you use the word robot or that we have been using the word robot. Like, like he's wired us to do this thing that he wants us to do. But it, it, in the end, it became that way. Like they were, oh, I sinned against God. Better make a sacrifice to make him not mad at me. Like mm-hmm. it's like if we were like robots, if we were wired that way, maybe we'd just keep doing that. But that's not what he desires. His desire is for this very human, very intimate denying of ourselves and choosing of God over our fleshly desires, yep. and which is like very personal and very... Like, that's actually what the word love means. Whereas, if you look at the word love today in the 21st century, <laughs> it's gotten so watered down. Love means whatever you want it to mean, right? Like, I mean, you see it in those yard signs. People write, love is love. What does that mean? <laughs> As a word person, we're going to brain explains. We're going to define love by whatever we want it to mean. But when God uses the word love, when he says, I desire steadfast love, it's like deep, like yeah. self-sacrificial, intimate, like personal. Yeah. And it, it actually means something when God uses it. And I think like trying to answer that question, why did he make us the way that he made us? I don't know if we can give you an, an exact answer to why, but I think just from the evidence that we see in scripture about the character of God and his this desire for steadfast love, I think that kind of leads us towards he loves us. He designed us with love in his image to be loved and to bring him glory. Like, I think that probably leads us towards close to an answer about his love for us, even if it gets kind of cloudy when you start talking about the next part of the question. Yeah. Well, I think even before getting in into the next part of the question, I think we need to address, like, what is it? I don't even know how to ask the question, but like I think Brady and I were talking before in, in the language I use is like the currency of love for God. And it goes to the same thing in, in Hosea. It's not he, he, he contrasts steadfast love and sacrifice. He contrasts the knowledge of God with burnt offerings. We look at that and we go, we're not sacrificing animals and, and putting together burnt offerings for God. But instead, we, we think of all of the things that we're doing for God. You talked about uh, an analogy of little old Aunt Sally who does everything right. What, how did you describe it earlier? You said she takes in all of the, the stray, cats. stray cats. She, she pays her taxes. pays her taxes. But she doesn't know God. How are you gonna? How can she be uh, sent sent to hell or separated from God? And the 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 question is is not to be too negative, but like it's wrong. The question is wrong. It's got nothing to do with how like what she does. What she does is how every other religion in the world works. That's how how economies operate. That's how governments go. Like what she does has little barring on uh bearing on on like what what is pleasing to god what's pleasing to god is that she would know him mm-hmm. and not knowing him or, or or following after him is the is the very thing that is separation from god mm-hmm. actively choosing 
or even passively choosing to like, no, I'm gonna, I'm, I don't, I don't want to know him. I want to impress him. I don't want to know him. I want to run and create my own. Mm-hmm. So when we move into that, the second half of the question, which I got pulled back up, um, why give us the choice and then punish those who don't follow him? I think it's a really good question. Mm-hmm. Um, almost feel like that's the it's not to again be negative. I think it's the I think it's the wrong question again. Why give us the choice and then punish those who don't follow him? The punishment is not is 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 not following him. Mm-hmm. So we have in our brain that like, um, and maybe this is like our individualism that we think so highly of ourselves and that we want to do what we want to do and that what I think is the right thing. But like that exact sentence that I just said is like, that's hell in essence. Mm -hmm. I heard somebody once talk about the satanic Bible has one command and it's thou shalt do whatever, do whatever they want. Thou shalt do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. And that's the, the irony in this is like the sin creeping in my heart is that I hear that and I go, sweet, Mm -hmm. I want to do what I want to do. But that's the thing that can that's that's condemnation right there, mm. and then how we're trying to pursue salvation is us like is trying to pull ourselves out of this pit that like we we've placed ourselves in. Yeah, yeah. So this is a you know when you think about the question, why give us the choice and then punish those who don't follow him? Of course, you think about punishment. And the idea of punishment just seems harsh to us, you know? Like, that's the word that comes to my mind is, dang, that's kind of harsh. Mm-hmm. Especially because when you think of what punishment is in God's economy, it's eternal. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just probably the honest thing that maybe we all feel is, like, and you and I, let's like let's just be honest. I don't think that my friend in our hub who asked this question is the only one with that question. There's probably people in your life on your mind, in your heart that you love so much that you are afraid, right? Like, don't you, it's just like, oh my gosh, I love that person so much. I can't imagine them being separated from God eternally in Mm -hmm. hell. And, and then you have those thoughts like aunt Sally, like what you just brought up, like they're actually a pretty good person. Like they've been to church quite a bit. They have a Bible. Like I think they believe in God even, you know? Um, but but you, you, but that's the thought, like, I, how could they be punished eternally? And this is where I feel like I, I kind of read something on the uh, C.S. Lewis Institute website about how, how hard it is to grasp who it is we have a relationship with in God. Mm-hmm. Um, because we, we ask this question, how can our finite and temporal sin merit an eternal consequence? Eternity is just not something we can wrap our minds around. It's it goes back to this whole our pop can size brains can't really fathom eternity because we've only been alive, you know, I'm 35 and I've only I've only been around 35 years, which means there's so much of existence that I just can't grasp. God is eternal. I thought you were at least 45. Why well, you got to say that, man? <laughs> Well, not to interrupt too much, but like and also the fact that eternity isn't just in front of us. Yeah, God is eternity backwards and eternity forwards, which is hurting my brain just trying to <laughs> grasp it, you know. But but like, so but 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 this is how he he answers this question: How can our finite and temporal sin merit an eternal consequence? 
could it be because the one we sin against is of infinite and immeasurable holiness and goodness? Hmm. Like, that's a great thing to think about. You know, like when we sin against each other, it's terrible. It's wicked. We're tearing apart the creation that God created. He's We're tearing apart what he designed in ourselves when we hurt each other. Mm-hmm. But then when we look up and we deny him and we sin against him, we don't realize that we are sinning against, rejecting, denying the immeasurable holiness and goodness of the creator of the universe, mm-hmm. the one who has the authority, whether we like it or not, to set this all in motion out of love. You know, he's the one who, who loves ultimately. He's also the one who judges ultimately. And there can be no judgment without great love, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Well, it's also, as you're saying that it's making me think of we're sinning against God and there's also, we going back to that, we're made in his image. It's like what we are doing is actively living in a way that it contradicts the way that we've been made to. Yeah. It's like drinking motor oil instead of water. You have the choice to drink motor, motor oil, I suppose. But it's, it's not going to... It's not going to lubricate your inside so that you can go faster. <laughs> I don't understand how engines work. Plus, I don't think it tastes very good. But that, but like, but this is the really deep part of the conversation, and it all comes back, I think, to God's will versus my will. Hmm. And this is the thought that I had on on my, on my drive over here this morning was like, like I have my will, and my will at the end of the day, whether I'm like the closest follower of Jesus or or I'm the furthest sinner, you know, my will in my flesh, in my nature, I still prefer to go against God, mm-hmm. you know. Um, hopefully over my lifetime, I'll get better and better at choosing Jesus over my flesh. But, but like, but at the end of the day, it really is this God's will versus my will, and I'm going to probably always choose my will. And if only we could realize that God's will is better, you know, like I, that's probably, but this is where it like for a non-Christian, they're going to have a really hard time. If you're a non-Christian, if you're a person who really struggles with this idea, you're probably going to only continue to struggle with this idea of having to choose God's will over mine, you know, because at the end of the day, there are those of us who just, this is what it is. We disagree. Like we hear that. And it causes some of us, our, our hearts, to have affection towards God and say, I, I'm thankful that he knows more than I do, and I, it makes me want to worship him. But some of us are like, he knows everything, and he has the authority, and I hate him for that. Mm-hmm. Like, I want the authority, yep. you know? And that's just, like, that's the place where we all come. Like, he's in charge. He made this. He has the authority. He He rules over all with love and goodness and justice and all that. But... At the end of it, at the end of the day, it's kind of like a choosing. I agree with him or I don't agree with him, and I'm just going to do things my way. And the the crazy truth in Scripture is that he, he he lets us make that choice. Yeah. Well, it's almost sometimes it's not even that I agree with him. It's that I trust him. Yeah. Which is like the Better. first, this is an infuriating um, situation as a parent. If you have kids, like, I, I, I don't think it's arrogant 
for me to say that I know better than my three-year-old. Mm-hmm. And I definitely know better than my one-and-a-half-year-old. <laughs> Maybe I know better than my three-year-old than I know my one-and-a-half-year-old because he's got less ridiculous thoughts at this point. But, like, it breaks my heart when I watch them do something that that is going to hurt them on, like, a physical level or an emotional level or something like that. It breaks my heart as well when when I see them doing something that's going to at least for a, a few seconds, like put a wedge in between me and them. So like mm-hmm. when I tell Micah, no, you can't do that thing. And then he runs and he does it. I don't love him any less, but he has chosen to put a wedge in between he and I, and, and that needs to be taken care of before, before like we're on the same page again. And it, that, that breaks my heart. Yeah. And what Micah does sometimes is he will do something wrong. We had this situation yesterday. I remember what he did. I told him to do something, and he didn't do it. He ran in the other direction. And then when I went to go be like, all right, Bubba, we got to go have a, have a discipline talk. He ran in the other direction and then did something nice for Benji. And he was like, I did something nice. Like, Two-tone. Yeah. yeah. That's not how that works. Like, you you disobeyed. You didn't trust. Like, I, I know you. I I know I know better in this situation, not just because I want you to grow up to be like a functional member of society, although that would be nice if that ends up happening. Like, this is good for your soul. I think God has the same mentality. But it's funny when we kind of respond in, in the way of, because I think we do the exact same thing. Uh, Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, or Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, verses 21 through 23. These are the uh, verses that send a shudder down my spine sometimes. Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, which is like a really intimate way of talking to to God, Lord, Lord, uh, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father, as Brady was saying, who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. It goes back on that word no, the knowledge, the, the yada, the deep connection, the, the love, um, <clears throat> which maybe we can start wrapping up now, but like it, maybe this doesn't answer the question. If we were created to know and love God, why did he give us free will? Why give us the choice and then punish those who do not follow him? Um but it gives us a, a better understanding of who God is. Mm-hmm. Like I heard, I remember who said this. I, I, I think I was telling you, it might have been in a, uh, Kevin DeYoung wrote a, wrote a little storybook. It's called The Biggest, biggest Storybook Bible mm-hmm. yeah, for, for kids. kids. And he was asking a question about something in the, in the book of Job. Job is like talking to, to God. And he's like, why did you do this? Why are you doing this? And God kind of comes out and he's like, who are you? Mm-hmm. Where were you when I put like yeah. the the land in place and I poured the waters out and stuff like that? And the answer that that I that I read or ran across was like the answer is always God. Mm-hmm. Why did you do this? Because well, I'm God. Because I know better. Mm-hmm. Why did you do this? Because I am. And this is the the funny name for for God, Yahweh. In in Hebrew is that I am. It's when Moses comes before the burning bush. Tell me who your name is. He says, I am. Mm-hmm. And we get in a situation where we get frustrated and God says, like, follow me. And I don't think he says or else, but there's an or else. 
Um, and we get frustrated because why? Because we think I, well, I am, mm-hmm. I'm the one who decides I'm the one who gets to live my own life and all of these things, which God goes, okay, go ahead. But it's not going to, it's not going to amount to what you want it to. But this is herein lies like the beauty of, of God. And it's the gospel. Yeah. It's that he came down and he took the punishment for us. Yeah. That he was, was stricken and afflicted. He was beaten he was he was treated so the very thing that that takes eternal punishment for us to kind of like be pay for uh, the injustice like god himself put on flesh and he took that yeah i'm really glad that you brought it here cuz this is where we have to land while answering this question and again we maybe we didn't like nail the the answer that maybe some of you were hoping that we would, I don't know, you know, but the gospel is where you absolutely have to, like you have to look at this question with the lens of what Jesus did on the cross. And I just think about, I I think about this concept that I just said, like, could it be, um, you know, that the, the one that we sin against is of infinite and immeasurable holiness and goodness. Could it be that we don't grasp that well enough? Hmm. He is the one who is immeasurable, immeasurably holy and good and eternal, seeing end from beginning, knowing everything. But he came down from eternal perfection, became a person, walked in all of the inconveniences of what it means to be a person, being tempted in all the ways that we are tempted to sin Mm -hmm. and yet did not sin. He became sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. Mm -hmm. Second Corinthians chapter five, 21, try to wrap your mind around that. Like maybe we we're not going to be able to completely fathom why he, he condemns some to eternal damnation and suffering apart from his presence. Yeah. I think, I think we've actually, had a good discussion about that. Like in the end, it's kind of, it's people who've chosen. I don't want you, you know, Mm -hmm. like he's not going to try and force people to choose him who, who have seen him and said, no, I don't want you, but he's willing to become a person and inconvenience himself, not just by stubbing his toe as a human being and getting splinters and walking in dust and sweating and going through all the inconveniences of being a, of, of being a human even to the point of death on the cross, he is willing to die yep. for you to save your soul from hell and eternal separation. Right. And everybody who would ever reject him, he's willing to do that. That says a lot yeah. about how God cares about us. Right, which that death is not just a physical death. That's the part where we get in, where we go, oh, he died for us. A lot of people have died for others. And it's like, no, that's we're missing it. We're missing it entirely. Yeah. And I think, a, I think a big part of this question, and I think it's a fair question, is, is this really fair? And, and again, I think the answer is God. Because what Jesus did is not fair. No. Jesus didn't just come and, and, and like hold really tight to the law and like white-knuckle his way through checking boxes. And he didn't just suffer and die. Like... It was not fair for him to take the punishment that we deserve. Yeah. And the options really are you 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 take it or Jesus takes it. Yeah. And that kind of it, it's still it's the answer the question is it fair? Absolutely it is not fair. No. 
the not life, fair at all. The life of the Son of God for the sins of the world. Like on the scales, it does not. That doesn't add up. Yeah. There's not that we don't amount to the value of His presence. But He was willing to sacrifice Himself anyway. Yeah. Amazing. Well, yeah. Hopefully we uh, hopefully we touch some of it. Brady, thanks for being on. Yeah. Thanks, Matt. Um, hopefully we'll we'll bring you on more often when you're not chasing around the chilling yeah and everything um if you have more questions obviously we're doing this explore god series um one approach any of us and and ask us questions um or if you want if this is a helpful way of of kind of having these long form discussions about it um please send some questions in we would love that um you email it over to me at matt at the district church.com and oh excuse me matt at the district church wichita.com pick the longer one um that's all we got for you we love you and we hope that you have a good day and a good week love you guys see ya